Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. We're still talking about the Super Bowl, and we're still talking about overtime. Do you know the rules? You're not alone if you don't, because there are some San Francisco 49ers who don't know the rules of overtime. This uh, first hour brought to you by Discover. They want everyone to feel special, and that's why your Discover card gives you access to 24-7 customer service, zero-dollar fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. You can learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations like Fritzy apply. Poll question, play of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the program. Seton will have the honors with a poll question. We will hear from Kyle Shanahan. We'll hear from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and uh, Kyle Juszczyk, the Niners fullback. Yes, we will hear from him. Also, a little bit later on, Nick Wright from Fox Sports. First things first, and a big Kansas City Chiefs fan. And our good buddy, Ross Tucker, who will join us in about 20 minutes from now. 877-3DP-SHOW. You can dial up. And the person you'll hear on the other end will be Tyler to take your phone calls. Also, we say good morning if you're watching on Peacock. Thank you. Download the app if you haven't done so. I know what's going to happen at the end of the show. It's going to be uh, snow beers today. I think that's what's going to happen. We had some snow here last night and uh, some treacherous driving, but everybody got in safely. And uh, we're here to entertain you over the next three hours while we keep an eye on the snowfall at uh, somewhere between six and nine inches for uh, this part of the country. Um, and I was wondering about this. We always talk about inclement weather. Do we ever say, man, it's clement weather? And I said to Paulie, is it clement weather? There is inclement weather. I think everyone's used to that, like undulating greens. I never heard of julating greens. Mm. Um, inclement weather refers to severe or harsh weather that is cold and wet, mm. used often by weather casters. Who thinks there is a word... Clement weather, or a phrase, clement weather. I think there's clement weather. I don't think it's used. Correct. Clement weather is pleasant or not severe. It is clement for this time of year. Uh, newscasters and weathercasters use mild or temperate more often than clement. Mm. The thing about San Diego is it's such a clement place. It's clement all the time. But I don't think people ever express that. God, it's totally clement outside. Let's go, guys. By the way, nobody knows the local weather forecasters like Todd does. 
Todd's sending me pictures of all the women who are uh, weather forecasters. You know, when you want to get it going in the morning, uh, I stayed at a hotel because of the bad weather. I had my eggs and sausage and <laughs> little chocolate milk and my apple juice. I was loving life. And then uh, one of my favorites popped on the screen for uh, one of the local affiliates and it helped, uh, helped cheer me up. But more. you watch with the sound down, which is strange. If you're going to get a weather forecast. There. Yeah, I can kind of figure it out through the pictures if it's sleet <laughs> or rain. And they put up the numbers six to nine inches. And they put different colors on the map. I don't really think to hear what anybody's saying. Yeah. Todd knows local broadcasting. Nobody loves local news like Todd does. I'm just going to do it. Shout out Alyssa Ray Taglier, WTNH <laughs> Channel 8. Let's just, you know, let's call it what it is. Any other of the uh, fine women newscasters or weather forecasters? Fox 61, Rachel Frank. Okay, of course. What <laughs> the weather. Okay. You done? Lisa Carberg, I kind of like. That's, also, that's one of the other stations. <laughs> okay. You want to get it going in the morning. Yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> oh, get out of the gutter. It just means like, I'm. yeah, you know what? The weather's bad. It's slippery up. But hey, I'm in a good mood. <laughs> and there's a, a lovely lady telling me about how horrible the weather's outside. I'm going to have my bagel and... Uh, cream cheese and jelly and i'm gonna get the on the quote road. was you want to get it going going in the morning i'm in a hotel room that was the I did. If you put that those was the things phrase together, it, seems it had awkward. nothing to do with peanut butter and jelly bagels or yeah, anything like yeah, that yeah yeah it was it didn't mean to sound so quite so inappropriate and questionable. yes it did <laughs> yes while also having a childish breakfast of chocolate milk before he came in. Uh, I also saw this uh, weather caster as I drove in. I stopped to get some breakfast sandwiches. I saw her on the screen, and as soon as I saw her on the screen, I said, Todd is going to reference this person today. I would have I bet on it. Yeah. Two minutes later. She was like a Miss America or something, or a Miss something. Not that I did any research she, or Google. She's a Mrs. something, and you should leave her alone. Oh, I didn't know if she's a... Not that that would matter. All righty. So we're off to a rousing start here. Uh, rousing, so, rousing, rousing start. Rousing start? Oh, I said rousing, I said rousing oh, not a rousing start. Inclement Clement. <laughs> we're off to a rousing start here today. <laughs> we're getting it going. Yeah, we are in the morning. You are the uh, the weathercaster of our show. You're hot, Dan. Is that what we're saying? No, no, no. no. Okay. Yeah. I'm Clement. I'm very clement. All right, so uh, what's poll question today? Well, should I just keep rolling with the toddler here? or Well, okay. Todd gave us, with the Super Bowl over, what on the sports calendar are you most excited about next? Todd, do you want to run over the uh, dozen options or so? Uh, We could do that. Okay. Okay, so here are the options now that uh, we're all depressed (laughs) that the NFL is over. Yes. They would include... About a dozen. Daytona 500. Let's get after it. March Madness. MLB spring training. Be interested to see who goes with that one. NBA playoffs, NFL combine, NFL draft, the Masters, the Olympics, Stanley Cup playoffs. Other wait, the Olympics are in the summer. Okay, but just as far as in the coming months, some you know it doesn't necessarily go in order. Then you would just pick day twenty five hundred. But you may like something and think that you know what the next thing I'm excited about isn't for several months from now, or it could be something that's a matter of a week or two away. Okay, uh, do we have another option? Other. I may have left out a significant no, no, no. Event an, or an, another, or another poll, poll question. question. Oh, another poll question. <laughs> yes. Motocross uh, X Games. I don't know. Yeah, Todd, thought you, Todd thought you loved his so much that you wanted more options yeah, than like, the first What one. else can we be looking forward to? Ray Digger and Monster Mud. I don't know. What else? When overtime started on Sunday, this one's from Paul. When overtime started on Sunday, dot, 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 I already clearly knew the postseason <laughs> overtime rules. Shaky, but I kind of knew. Borderline clueless. I'm guessing most people are going to say shaky, but I kind of knew. Because that's basically the way the NFL works. I kind of knew what the rules are. 
Yes, and the only reason why I was aware of the rules is because they changed the rules because when Buffalo played Kansas City and Josh Allen didn't get a chance with the football, then they changed the rules. So your rules in the postseason are different in the regular season. But, uh, Paulie, why don't you give the official rules so everybody knows Moving forward, these are the overtime rules if we ever have another one in the playoffs or Super Bowl. Gotcha. This would have been handy around uh, two, uh, 9 o'clock at p.m. Eastern on Sunday. They did put it up on the jumbo scrons, Jumbotrons Slow in, down. in uh, each one of them. Slow down. Um, the overtime rules for the NFL season, unlike regular season games, postseason games cannot end in a tie. So the overtime rules change slightly. If the score is still tied at the end of the overtime period, or if the second team's initial p- possession has not ended, the teams will play another overtime period, regardless of how many overtime periods there are. There'll be a two-minute intermission, and then each team will have the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime. That's the key one. Each team will have the opportunity to possess the ball in overtime. So the Niners score, touchdown, even two-point conversion, it's not over. That's a big one. Um, same rules apply to the first, first period, fourth period, and it's endless. There is no shootout of any type. Uh, here's Kyle Shanahan, the Niners head coach. This is after the Super Bowl being asked about taking the ball in overtime. What goes into the decision to take the ball first? You know, there, none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked to those guys, and we just thought it would be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal, and if, if we did, then we felt it was in our hands after that. Okay, so you're going to be aggressive. And the only thing I thought was you want the ball. Why not go for it on fourth down? If you're worried about Mahomes getting the ball and going down to score a touchdown, then why did the Niners not go for it on third down and I think four? They ended up kicking the field goal. So now if Mahomes goes down and scores a touchdown, then they win the game. That was the only thing I didn't understand. If, if you're going to take the ball and be aggressive, then be aggressive the whole time. Because if you're worried about Mahomes, and now you can say, well, if you don't uh, score, don't get a touchdown, then Mahomes only has to kick a field goal. But if you're going to be aggressive, then be aggressive because you're you're concerned that Mahomes is going to come down and score. Yes, Eden. Well, I think Kyle Shanahan had said that they were okay trading field goals. They're like all things equal, we trade field goals and then we get them on the third possession. Yeah. Um, but it does it feels slightly flawed in being like, yeah, but you have to make sure you get to the third possession. Yes. Yes. Which is tricky. Now, uh, the Niners, I think, should be in a must-lie situation, but uh, they haven't been. They've been telling you that basically they weren't quite sure of what the overtime rules were. Our Kyle Juszczyk, Niners uh, fullback. You know what? I didn't even realize that the the playoff rules were different in overtime, so I, I assumed you just want the ball because you score a touchdown and win, but I guess that's not the case. Um, so I don't really... I don't totally know the strategy there. Okay. Kyle Juszczyk went to Harvard, didn't he? Right? I think so. Um, you should know. I'm, I, I would have thought that you would have probably had scenarios here, just in case. Yes, yes, Mark. Wait, so because he went to Harvard, he should know everything about everything? What well, about the guy that went to Manchester Community College? Right. Okay. Right. If he plays on the team, all of you should know. Right. Well, Kyle Juszczyk might be a little more curious, maybe. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he went to Harvard, that he would be like, you know. Mm. Uh, if you play in the NFL. 
I'm going to need everyone to be on the same page. Yes, Todd. Or you could say, isn't he smart enough to know not to admit publicly into the world? Oh, that, 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 bloop, bloop. Yes, yes. Because the guy who went to Manchester would have been smart enough to do that. Yeah, because he was street smart. He would be like, yeah, man, I'm not going to tell you anything. Like, hey, look, guys, all right, it's the coach's decision, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to put it all on him. It's the coach's decision, okay? He made the call. But the Chiefs were aware. They knew what the rules were. Chris Jones told reporters the team had a different approach in terms of pregame communication about the new rules and strategy. Chris Jones said, we talked for two weeks about the new overtime rules. And he said, give the ball to the opponent, and if we score, we go for two. So if the Niners had scored a touchdown, Kansas City, if they had scored a touchdown, they were going for two. Here's Patrick Mahomes. So you go eight for eight on that game-winning touchdown drive. What was the plan if the Niners opened overtime with a touchdown and then you guys answered with a touchdown? Would they have had a third possession? What were you guys going to do? No, we, we were going for two. I don't know if Coach Reed <laughs> won't be telling everybody, but we would have went for two for sure. Okay, so they had a plan. They had a strategy. And, and this might lead to a bigger picture of how prepared were you. Now, maybe it's not fair to the situation, but that's what we're talking about. Your players didn't know about overtime. That, to me, is what stands out and is pretty alarming there. Yes, Marv? See, that's the difference between the 49ers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs stay ready. The 49ers were getting ready. Yeah. You, don't need, you never have to get ready if you stay ready. These guys were ready for the moment. Yeah. And the 49ers, oh, I don't know if I was, you know, I went to Harvard, Brown, Yale, mm. you know. Yeah. I just, I, I, I was wondering if you're going to be aggressive, then how aggressive you're going to be. You want the ball, you want the ball so you're going to kick a field goal, and now, now your defense has played pretty well. The fact that you're going into overtime and you've held Mahomes to 19 points, and you got a gift with that, uh, you know, the muffed punt that allowed you with a short field. Uh, you had a, you know, a great night with your field goal kicker. I understand all of those things. But if you're saying in a big moment, Brock Purdy or Patrick Mahomes? We're all taking Patrick Mahomes. Brock Purdy played a pretty good game. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. And that's the only thing. Uh, if I'm going to be aggressive, I have to be aggressive to put pressure on Mahomes. A field goal, I don't think that puts pressure on it. you got a kicker who could kick it from 60 yards and has been in those big moments there. That was what I was curious about in the moment. It's like, okay, are you going for it? Or are you just sort of, well, we'll kick a field goal. I don't think that put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. If anything, it's like, oh, we get a touchdown, we win. Did you see? I mean, we all saw it. The clock is running. They had a strategy. It's like, all right, this is going to happen, then we're going to do this, and then, hey, this will be our play. I mean, that was the feeling I had that they already knew what they were going to do. And they executed that. But I think there's going to be questions about this with how prepared they were. I still think Kyle Shanahan wanted to prove that uh, Brock Purdy is an elite quarterback and he was going to have him win that game and win the MVP and shut up everybody. I truly believe that. Watching the second half, the way those plays were called, and I kept thinking, if I'm a Kansas City Chief, they're not going to give it to McCaffrey? I'm good with that. Uh, Chris Jones. Chris Jones, you could have made a case that he was the MVP. 
if you took about you talk about impactful plays, Chris Jones made a, like three impactful plays, including maybe the biggest play of the game. Unblocked. How does that happen? Their best defensive player. Don't you go up to the line of scrimmage and go, all right, where's uh, Sneed's there? Jones is there. Okay, got to make sure we got two guys on Jones here. That's all. Anybody but him. I don't care who else. If somebody else makes a play, great. Not him. It's like when the Bengals played the Rams. Who's the one guy they have to worry about with that final play? Aaron Donald. And what happened? Aaron Donald gets the sack. Yes, Eden. And the thing about putting the ball in Brock Purdy's hands and sort of forcing him to win the game and get the MVP is that ultimately, at like the core root of it, it's confirmation that my system is great. Yes, this would it's be a confirmation that I am a genius because I can take Mr. Irrelevant and turn him into a Super Bowl MVP in two years. I think it's a fair assessment of the situation. I do. I think Ego got involved here a little bit um, because Kyle Shanahan's here in this. Brock Purdy's here in this. And they're like, right, you know what? Let's go out there and we're going to throw the ball. Okay. I thought Kansas City did a pretty good job. You know, they shut down Kittle. Uh, Debo had a lot of targets. I don't know how healthy he was. Taking Ayuk out of the, uh, you know, uh, the game plan there. Yes, uh, Mark. To go back to the Atlanta Super Bowl against the Patriots, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman were running wild yeah. on the Patriots. Yeah. And before that big play where uh, it ended with Hightower sacking Matt Ryan, Tevin Coleman had a big maybe 40-yard run, either him or Freeman, whoever. They had a big 40-yard run. And then it's like, oh, Let's go away from what we've been work, what's been working the entire time. Because if I look at this from Kansas City's uh, perspective, and I'm Patrick Mahomes, I got to put up big numbers. I got to throw the ball. I got to show him that I'm still Patrick Mahomes. This season, he was more like Brady from the standpoint of I got to do just enough because that defense is really good, and he did that. Like you suppress your ego and you're like, all right, what do, what do we need to do? You want me uh, third and one? I'll run it. You need to play here? All right, I can come up with that. And I don't think it was about, hey, let me prove, let me show people again, remind them just how great I am. I think he was great when he needed to be great. And it felt like Kansas City was going to say, hey, Brock Purdy's elite. If he had won the Super Bowl, we would probably be saying, all right, you know, he's in the top 10 quarterbacks now or top five. It didn't work out that way. And I think Ego played a little bit of a role in his play calling in that Atlanta loss to the Patriots. You had Matt Ryan, MVP, and Matt Ryan's throwing passes. And all you had to do was take a knee and another knee and another knee, kick a field goal, and you win the game. You win the Super Bowl. All right, we'll take a break. Ross Tucker will join us. Uh, a lot of people calling in, so we'll get to your phone calls as well. And Nick Wright will take a victory lap a little bit later on. Back after this, Dan Patrick Show. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine. All happening in only one place. This league uncut. The new NBA podcast with me, Chris Haynes. And me, Mark Stein. Join us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing. Listen to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You could trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat. There was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too? It's funny about a battleship. It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachenko Machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like, a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on, or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Coming up. We'll look back on the 2017 NFL draft and grades for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs when they decided that they were going to take Patrick Mahomes and what some of the uh, news outlets, how they graded Patrick Mahomes, that draft pick. 877-3DP-SHOW, email address, dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. He's our good buddies, Ross Tucker, Westwood One, CBS Sports, NFL and college football analyst, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and uh, you can find him on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. He was part of uh, Westwood One's pregame coverage of the Super Bowl, and it's great to have him back. Um, all right, can you picture a setting, a scenario where you're not aware of overtime rules in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I can, and I'll tell you why, Dan. A couple things. Number one, it was new this year. Right, I mean, it, it was new in the sense that in the playoffs, at least, no matter what happened, both teams would get a possession. I think there were a lot of people, quite frankly, that were confused by the timing at the end of the overtime period. I think a lot of people probably thought that the overtime was just one period 
and didn't understand why the Chiefs weren't hurrying up. I mean, it's first and goal, <laughs> and there's like eight seconds left, and it's like, what are they doing? There's only eight seconds left. So I think because of the newness of it, I think that's a big part of it. I'll also say this, two things, Dan. Number one, and I know you know this, right? In week three, if you ask an NFL player who they play in week five, most of them wouldn't be able to tell you. They, 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 honest to God, they would not be able to tell you. And then I've been thinking about this in terms of the overtime rules, right? Does it really matter how much the players knew the intricacies of the rule? In other words, very important that Kyle Shanahan knows what's going on, and he did. He wanted to have the third possession for a reason. The players are basically like the pawns or the pieces on the chessboard, right? Kyle Shanahan is the, the chess master. He's the one that needs to know. The players are very tunnel-focused and need to execute their assignment. I understand why it's a big deal. Ultimately, I think it's being overblown. I don't think it really matters that much. Why does Chris Jones, the defensive lineman for the Chiefs, know about this? They strategized for two weeks. They talked about it. That they were, they hoped the opponent got the ball, they would get it back, and then they were going for two. So this is a defensive player who's aware of what the philosophy is for the Kansas City Chiefs in case of overtime. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's awesome that the Chiefs knew what they wanted to do in that situation. By the way, I know there's a lot of debate going on, Dan, whether you should take the ball first or kick. I've talked to a lot of smart people about this. It's very complicated. You can make a strong argument either way. Obviously, if you go second, you have the information advantage. If you go first, you have the third possession advantage. The only thing I feel really strongly about is if you do go second, if you do kick, you got to go for two. Like if you match the touchdown there, you got to go for two. So kudos to Andy Reid and the analytics folks of the Chiefs for knowing that, for feeling like that was their best option, and for relaying that to the players. I think that's a major positive that the players knew ahead of time, hey, if we get in this situation and we score a touchdown, we're going to go for two. Ultimately, though, it was immaterial. I mean, the, the Niners kicked the field goal. The Chiefs scored a touchdown. The game was over. Like, I don't... I don't think it really impacted or affected the game. I think it's just something that we can attach ourselves to after the game and say it's brilliant by the Chiefs and a bad look for the Niners. Okay, there's one thing that you're forgetting, and Mahomes brought this up. If I get the ball second, let's say the Niners score a touchdown. I get the ball second. I now get the benefit of four downs. Every possession, every situation is four downs. We get a first down. Then I got four more downs where the Niners had three downs and then they were going to have to kick a field goal. That's a huge benefit for Patrick Mahomes to have four downs to get 10 yards to continue to try to score a touchdown. Yep, I agree. And that, that, that's what I call the information advantage, right? You know what you need. You know if you have to go for it on fourth down. Totally agree on that part of it. I guess what I would argue is the Chiefs only scored one touchdown the whole game. I mean, they only scored one touchdown the entire regulation. So for Kyle Shanahan to say, hey, if neither one of us scores, then we get the ball with sudden death. If we both get a field goal, then we get the ball in sudden death. Again, I think it's really, really close either way. Obviously, it worked out beautifully for the Chiefs. And normally I would say, 
especially going against the Chiefs and Mahomes, man, maybe you should go second, and maybe you should try to match the touchdown and then go for two. But in fairness, they only scored, they kept bogging down in the red zone. I mean, they only had one touchdown the whole regulation, and even on that last drive, they didn't need the touch. I mean, obviously they got it, and they went for on fourth down once and got it, but they didn't even need the touchdown. So I don't know that they would have gone for it on fourth down, down near the goal line at that situation. Probably, but maybe not. Yeah, and I also didn't like the play calling in the second half by the Niners. I think, I think Kyle, and I've said this, so I apologize to my audience, but I think he wanted Brock Purdy to be the MVP, and he was going to prove to everybody, I'm, a, I'm an offensive genius, and look at what I created. He was Dr. Frankenstein. Here he is. He's going to go out there, Mr. Irrelevant, is going to win the Super Bowl, and I'm going to prove to everybody I'm, an, I'm a brilliant play caller. I agree with you 100%. This is probably a little bit of my offensive line bias, but it was late in the third quarter before they called a running play I know. I know. in the second half. And by the way, if you noticed in the fourth quarter and overtime, they really wore down the Chiefs up front. I mean, they had good, they were running the ball effectively. Even, it's funny, I think they would have scored a touchdown in overtime, but Kittle's out of the game. And the rookie tight end gets a hold. They run a run to the right. And McCaffrey gets pretty good yardage, but the rookie tight end, number nine, he got a holding pally on Tranquil. If Kittle's out there, I highly doubt that happens, which is a whole other thing because Greenlaw, I haven't heard anybody say this, Dan. Greenlaw goes out, okay, with a terrible injury, fluke thing. He's a fantastic player. What does Andy Reid do after that, Dan? Two and three tight end sets, right? which means that Niners have to have their base defense out there because it's two or three tight ends, which means the Niners have to have three linebackers out there. So Andy Reid thought, okay, Greenlaw's out. Oren Burks and this other young kid, they haven't played very much. Let's put them on the field. Like Let's make them, let's make them have three linebackers on the field a lot in the second half. Those injuries, Greenlaw being out, and then Kittle missing some plays on the overtime drive, Killer for the night. It's not an excuse, but a killer. He's Ross Tucker, Westwood One, CBS Sports NFL college football analyst. As a former offensive lineman, biggest play of the game, I think, is nobody blocked Chris Jones. How do you go to the line of scrimmage without taking inventory and go, where, where's the guy who can really hurt us? Now, might be a bl- might be a Sneed blitzing, but Chris Jones I have to account for. At least one guy, it's third and four. Chris Jones disrupts that play. I they, they have a touchdown. How does that happen that the lineman, you go to the line of scrimmage, does anybody call out anything? Does Purdy say, you know, make sure, you know, we got somebody on this guy? How does it work in a situation like that? Yeah, so it's funny. So you don't want to have to make an audible call unless you have to, because as much as, as offensive linemen, as much as we like to say that the defensive linemen aren't smart, uh, they know some of the calls. This is my audible. Somebody, somebody, block Chris Jones. Chris Jones, <laughs> Chris Jones. Sad hut. That's it. Yeah, you know, that's a thing that people don't realize. If you have an, a, an, a mental error, a missed assignment like that, that's how you lose games in the NFL. It, you, it cannot happen. 
And whoever screwed that up and the offensive line coach, Chris Forster, I can assure you they are emotionally devastated. And if they're not, they should be. Because it's one thing to get beat physically. It's a whole other thing to get beat mentally and not know your assignment or you, not know nobody how put, to Nobody put assignment. a body on him, Ross. Nobody touched Chris Jones. Like, Terrible. If, if, I, yeah, and, unless you were saying to Chris Jones, hey, you know what? We're really going to mess with him. Nobody's going to block him. He'll be so confused. Yeah, it was bad. I, I'll say this, though, and this is another coaching thing, Dan. I thought the biggest play of the game was the muffed punt. Yeah. And to me, you know, I've been in those special teams meetings. He, Ray Ray McLeod screwed up on three levels. First of all, those returners are taught. If you can catch the ball, catch the ball, field the ball in the air. I have no idea why he didn't run up there and catch it. Secondly, and I know people know this, but if the ball might land near any of your guys, you run up there and say, Peter, Peter, or poison, poison, so that they know to scatter. But the one that's most mind-boggling to me, after it goes off his foot, Dan, you fall on the ball. You fall on the ball. And maybe because, uh, you know, these guys are so gifted and maybe their whole life they've been able to just scoop up a ball and run. Ray Ray, where you're not going anywhere, man. Fall on the ball. I was taught my first year playing football in sixth grade as a husky, big bone kid, fall on the ball. I mean, it, it, it's mind-boggling. That's the only touchdown the Chiefs scored the entire regulation was after the McLeod fumble. He screwed up three things. On one play, I'm not trying to kill him. Sorry, Ray Ray, but like, it's brutal to have three different mistakes on one play, and then Mahomes throws a touchdown pass the next play or whatever, and the Chiefs have the lead. It's awful. I know that you were part of the pregame coverage of the Super Bowl with Westwood One Radio. Where were you then after when the game started? Right, so I, I had recorded that part of it uh, with Westwood One a little bit earlier when I was out in Vegas, and then I was actually in the CBS Broadcast Center, uh, which was really interesting, with Tiki Barber and Brent Stover the whole game, Dan. So we were we were back up in case, you know, anything happened out there in Vegas, they lost power or whatever in the city. Kudos, by the way, to the executives of CBS to have a backup like that. So I was literally, Dan, at the NFL Today desk from 2 p.m. when they went live till 11 p.m., <laughs> At the end of the post-game show, I went to the bathroom a couple times. They even brought my sushi over to me because we had to be ready to go. Like at a moment, I've never watched four and a half hours of pregame show before <laughs> in my life. I've never done it. Was I'm just sitting there with Tiki and Brent, just watching every second of the pregame show. And they did like at like four o'clock or something. They said something, you know, something took a hit, so we had like a fight, like a almost like a fire drill, right, where we got ready again and they turned the lights on and we were ready to go. So um, I was close. To, I was close. 124 million people. I was close. <laughs> but wasn't CBS broadcasting the Super Bowl when the lights went out with the Niners and the Ravens? I think they – I don't remember, but I think, I think you, maybe they did. I think I'm sure, I'm sure after that, because there have been other games in, in, in different networks where – They've either lost power or audio, and someone's had to do it from the studio or whatever. So it's probably, I'm guessing now for Super Bowls, yeah. they all have a backup somewhere. A backup that's not at the site in the city 
in case something weird happens in the city. I think it's smart. So you almost called the Super Bowl. Are you going to put that? Is that on your Wikipedia page? That that should be that should be on my. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. My high school buddies asked me, Dan, whether or not you know what I was doing for the Super Bowl. I said, Well, I'm actually going to be in New York. I'm like the backup in case something happens. I had a high school. I had two high school friends that volunteered to pull the plug for me. I said, No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> We're going to pull the plug on this interview, though. We're done. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks thank, for a great year. Thank you, buddy. Ross Tucker, Westwood One, CBS Sports NFL college football analyst, and almost called the Super Bowl. Take a break. Play the day up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, everybody, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You've already talked about that. But there's just so much more good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete uh, albums for big prizes. There's cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. I was always a uh, battleship guy. You know, you get those pieces like there was the hat, there was the shoe. Oh, same. There was the, I was always a battleship guy or the car. You know what, too, is funny about a battleship? It's one of the only uh, Monopoly pieces that you find that's not just a household item. Wow, you know I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, most people oh, wow. don't have a battleship at home, but you have a car, you have a hat, you have a shoe, you have uh, all those things. Anyway, you could also get hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. That's always fun. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their own unique mini games like digging for treasure or a robot Pachenko machine. And there's always new timed events that will help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it for free right now on Google Play or the App Store. Game on. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise set several generations after the last installment in which apes are the dominant species. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike and embark on a journey that will redefine the planet. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. Like, a lot. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my live sports and docs in one app. Like Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, both included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. All in one app with one password. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. The utterly inspired all-electric EQE sedan from Mercedes-Benz. Hundreds of customizable comfort settings inside the cabin. The vehicle, all-electric. Feeling all Mercedes. Learn more. MBUSA.com slash EQE. Get to more phone calls coming up. He's Nick Wright from Fox Sports One. First things first, very popular show in the afternoon. Also, uh, Nick's 
YouTube channel, his show on YouTube. Uh, he joins us on the program. Big Kansas City Chiefs fan and figure out to have you on so you could do your victory lap. So describe to the audience, you had a victory parade yesterday. What was it like? Well, it started with we had a uh, one of those trucks that drives around. You'd see them in Vegas a lot. It usually says, like, live nude girls or something, <laughs> except instead of that, it was a picture of me, Wilds, and Broussard. It was never a doubt, which goes down as not only an all-time, you know, sports catchphrase, but one of the greatest sports predictions of all time. More on that in a moment. And it advertised our show, and it was one of those trucks. So I drove it a bit around the city, and then it continued to drive during the show. I had a custom-made bedazzled red velvet suit, pants, shoes, tie. Um, and then we had the Stony Brook University marching band. We had four regular size banners, one massive banner. We had about 500 balloons. Unfortunately, about 400 of them are still stuck in the ceiling. They didn't quite <laughs> drop the way we had hoped. We had confetti poppers. We brought out break dancers, which didn't really make sense, but Broussard had been saying all year that soft teams didn't want to fight. They wanted to break dance. So we brought them out to kind of mock him, even though the Niners weren't break dancers. And there was more, but I've forgotten at this point. Oh, the, I mean, oh, the bulletin board. See, because I said at the beginning of the year it was going to be 20 and 0, and people thought I was wrong. Uh, when the Chiefs lost week one, but much like in the usual suspects, you don't get it till the very end. The 20 and 0 was the bullet, the Chiefs versus the bulletin board. So every time somebody said something like the Eagles were like, ah, last year it was the field or Jed York whining about a holding call that wasn't called five years ago, we put them on the bulletin board. And whenever their team was eliminated and the Chiefs still playing, we put eliminated on there. And amazingly, yesterday we had our 20th elimination. So the bulletin board went 20 and 0. So we did all of that. And now I'm talking to you, and I'm going to do my podcast and the TV show, and then I'm going to Kansas City for the parade, of which I assume I'll be feted like a champion that I am. And rightfully so. Uh, but yeah. middle of the season, Chiefs lose 5 of 8. Mm -hmm. What did you think? That everyone was freaking out when they shouldn't. That, here's the thing, I'm not going to act like they looked great, but the defense... The whole year was outstanding. They became just the fourth team in modern NFL history to never allow 28 points. They only allowed more than 25 points one time. So Patrick was healthy. The defense was great. And so my, the, what I felt was that they knew that come the playoffs, Travis would be excellent. Pacheco's a good, not great, but a good back. And Rasheed Rice, after Puka Nakua take set him aside, you can put his rookie season up against any rookie season in the league this year. So I felt a lot of their struggles came due to the fact that they were you they wanted to win these regular season games. And because they lost them, they had to go on the road, they had a harder path. I'm not acting like it went according to plan, but they wanted to see who they could trust of Tony, uh, Sky Moore, they spent a big draft pick on. Justin Ross, who was a great college player, NFL crews, never gotten off the ground. They were using the regular season for that. And as it turned out, the answer was none of the above. And so they just hoped and prayed that MVS, who was great in the playoffs for him last year and was brutal this regular season, 
that he would come through and that Rice and Kelsey would continue doing what they did and that Mahomes would be a legend. And so I didn't, I want to be clear here. I, there were most checkpoints of the season. Baltimore looked better and San Francisco looked better. Nobody else to me clearly demonstrably was better than Kansas City. But when Baltimore and, Can- and San Francisco's quarterbacks are totally unproven postseason performers and the Chiefs quarterback is arguably the greatest postseason quarterback ever, inarguably top two, it just felt like they were way undervalued by the world. And I saw, and this isn't a straw man, going into the playoffs, Dan, Baltimore and Buffalo were head and shoulders the favorites in the AFC. And then if folks on shows like mine or yours were asked, all right, if it's not going to be one of them, who, who do you like? More people had Cleveland. And people can act like that's not true, but people are like, oh, playoff Flacco, that defense. And I'm sitting there like, am I in the alternate universe? Playoff, Joe Flacco just won comeback player of the year over a young man who came back from death because everyone was like, he was so bad with the Jets. That's the guy we're believing in. So, yeah, it's the Chiefs of champs. It's weird. I thought Mahomes was more valuable this year than in any other years when he won the MVP because of what he had around. I thought he did more for that team this year, almost in a a Brady-like way. His stats were down because he's competing against himself, but I thought his value was more evident this year than previous years. I So I totally agree. Now, I... I Brew pushed back yesterday a bit, a bit of recency by saying, let's all remember what that first year as a starter was. 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns, and just some of the most, oh my God. And so that, that was a good point. And we now say, yeah, but he had Kelsey and Rice. And, but prior to Mahomes taking the field, Rice had made all pro as a kick returner. We, he was, you know, clearly good, but we didn't know he was this. And Kelsey was excellent, but we didn't know he was going to maybe be the greatest tight end ever. But here's what I thought was most impressive about Patrick this year. He under, he set aside what I think is most fun and gratifying for him for what the team needed. I think that if you can, pull off the passes he can, and have the arm strength and the creativity and all those things. I think that's the most fun way to play. And it's the way that gets you the MVPs, gets you the accolades, all those things. And he totally transformed who he was. And the other thing that I found really noteworthy is that he he was criticized for not criticizing his teammates enough. He was when and when there were all those drops. I don't know if how much you guys talked about it, but I heard a lot of people say, you know, he's being too nice. They miss the enemy who was the bad cop, which I think they kind of did to a degree. That Patrick needs to light up MVS, like, and he just refused. He absolutely refused, and I think it is. I think one of the craziest stats of this dynasty is in the second half of the last two Super Bowls where the Chiefs were down 10 in both games. The four touchdowns, the Chiefs receiving touchdowns were scored by Sky Moore, who is going to you know fight to make the team. Kadarius Toney, who's going to fight to stay in the league. MVS, who everyone wanted benched. And McCole Hardman, 
who started the year with the Jets, and they were like, ah, we can't use him. <laughs> Those are the four players that caught, that caught passing touchdowns in the second half of back-to-back Super Bowl comebacks. We're talking to Nick Wright, host of First Things First on Fox Sports 1, and uh, What's Right with Nick Wright, iTunes, and YouTube. What would we be talking about if San Francisco had won the Super Bowl? Oh, so I think it won the, the Super Bowl like in the the exact way that game was played. Yeah, but just that they, you know, the Chiefs didn't pick up the fourth and one. Um, I think that there would be a really weird. Well, what do you want? Got to say, Brock Purdy's top five, maybe not top three, maybe <laughs> top three, and that would make us all dumber. And by the way, Brock, I thought played that was his best playoff game. I, I thought he played I, well. I, I, I thought he played well. Yeah, I, I thought he played well, and I was. And dealing with Steve Spagnolo, one of the greatest coordinators ever. Like, so I'm not trying to take a shot at Brock, but it, whether or not the Chiefs converted on that overtime drive, people would have you would have seen lists where Brock Purdy was ranked ahead of Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, and I'm not comfortable with that. So that would have happened. Uh, I think that there would have been an interesting MVP discussion because I think it would have been, had to be Jawan Jennings if you're going to go offense and maybe Fred Warner or Nicky Bosa if you're going defense. And then there would have been a discussion that I might have driven me from the business, Dan, <laughs> which which would have been all year long the same people who were saying, if Patrick Mahomes can get, can get this team to the Super Bowl, win on the road, go through this path, it'll be the best accomplishment of his career. And then if they lose, it would have been like, well, two and two in Super Bowls, guys. A little more LeBron than Jordan, <laughs> if you know what I mean, and that's not a compliment. And so I would have gone crazy. I would have really lost my mind. I thought Kyle Shanahan went out of his way to kind of prove that Brock Purdy could win. He put the game on his shoulders. and Such a good point. And I had a problem. I could see it. It, it was happening. Third quarter, like he's throwing it way too much. And I kept so, thinking he wanted to prove he is an, an elite quarterback. He's an MVP candidate. So I, I totally agree with you. I And I think this is, you know... It, the Kyle got criticized a lot yesterday for taking the ball in overtime. And I think that was a small mistake, but you can, I understood his argument, which is if we match each other, it becomes sudden death. We want the ball. I thought it was a bad look for him that his players didn't seem to know the rules. Meanwhile, Chris Jones was like, we had multiple meetings. Here was the plan. We, we saw a PowerPoint on it. I'm like, oh, well, that's something. Because what I, and somebody pointed this out, and then I'll get back to your bigger point. Let's say Purdy had thrown a touchdown on that third and five from the 11. Were the Niners going to storm the field, throw helmets off? Was it going to be that we would have been denied? One That's, of the what That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Great yes. celebration. It'd be like, guys, guys, put your helmet back on. <laughs> right. They'd have been kicking off from the negative 12, <laughs> like with all the penalties. Um, so so I, thought, I thought the criticism for taking the ball was a little overstated. And he does deserve credit, I think, for not caring that everyone killed Dan Campbell for going for it on a fourth down, down three, and he was like, nope, I'm playing Mahomes. Now I thought he was too conservative at the end of the first half, could have used timeouts. I thought that maybe in overtime you can argue you're playing Mahomes on third and five, run the ball, and then go for it on fourth down, you know, if you don't get it. But you pointed out the key to the game, Dan, 10-3 at halftime. 
the Chiefs go three and out, three straight possessions, mm-hmm. and the Niners throw call passing plays seven. They go three and out as well, three straight, just with seven of nine passing plays. And I know Barnwell pointed out the stack boxes, all those things. Man, you have Trent Williams, who didn't have a great game, and Christian McCaffrey, who did. See, he had a good game. See, whenever I'm watching the Chiefs, I evaluate the coach from the other team afterwards by how often did they do exactly what I was hoping they did. And when that second half got going, I'm like, put the game in Purdy's hands. Please put the game in Purdy's hands. And I'm not trying to trash the kid because I did think he played fine. But I agreed with you that this was sometimes you feel like coaches are trying to win the game while painting their masterpiece. And that can <laughs> get away from you a bit, and it felt like that's what was happening. Congrats. It felt like, can I say, sorry? Yeah. It felt a little bit like that in the Ravens game against the Chiefs. Like Todd Munkin was trying to be like, uh, Lamar, Mahomes, I'm putting this game in Lamar's hands, and it played into what the Chiefs wanted. Congrats again, and uh, safe travels to the parade. And uh, you, oh, yeah. you deserve a victory lap. Well, I appreciate it, Dan. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, that usually means the interview's over, but I, I got another minute here, if I may. I just want to know from the general sporting media um, what they learned this year. I don't want you to become be insufferable the- here. Like, we could have stopped this and people would say, wow, great valid points, and he's a diehard fan, and that's wonderful. You're you're on the verge of being insufferable, and I'm trying to save you from you. Well, you know what, Dan? I appreciate that, and that's why you know you're a mentor and such a good friend. But I'll take those bullets <laughs> because the thing is this: we are in the sports take industrial complex. I the reason why I Nick Wright. Kid from Kansas City gets a victory lap. It's not because I did anything special. It's because everyone else surveyed the entire take landscape and was like, hmm, the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid and his prime Patrick Mahomes and the best defense they've ever had. You know what? I think that team stinks. And I was like, I don't know, guys. Seems pretty dangerous to me. And I just want to know how my colleagues are going to be better next year. That's all I want. I just want to know: Are we gonna? What's gonna happen to make sure we don't make these same mistakes? I mean, we, the royal we, not really me. I got it right all along. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, they should uh, rename it uh, Nick Wright, host of Insufferable on Fox Sports One. <laughs> no, well, maybe that'll be a bonus show. I like that. I like that. Uh, hey, talk to you soon. Thank you. Buddy. See you, buddy. That's Nick Wright taking a victory lap and going out to Kansas City for the parade. Yeah, he he goes deep. It's a deep dive when he's defending his Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. We'll take a break. It's the last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow, right after this. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. <laughs> 